0: had this message on my heart for a number of months and our theme this year is uh, this, this goes along with our theme verse we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works and I want to talk about the man of Elijah a man of prayer and I trust that as we go through this this morning that we will we will look at our own lives and our own prayer life and discover discover the power of prayer. That's a powerful thing. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to you this morning in your word. We thank you, Father, that you are our Jehovah. You are our Lord God. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to speak about that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We read in in James chapter 5, the last part of verse 16 and verse 17, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. Now, throughout my message this morning, I'm going to have uh, Brother John Goble read some of our longer passages of scripture so he will, he will stand up and read that for us but uh, I trust that this morning as we, as we go into this lesson that we'll realize something very very interesting about Elijah he didn't pray about this situation one time, just one time he prayed about it a number of times and it uh, he, he, he didn't just all of a sudden dawn on him to do what he did and so we see in the in the in, the, in first king in first kings chapter seventeen and eighteen. We'll be spending most of our time in those two chapters today. But we see that uh, the Israelites had been the the, the 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 Israelites had divided into two kingdoms: the northern kingdom, ten tribes; the southern kingdom, two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The northern kingdom had been led for over 70 years with totally ungodly leaders. They all did evil in the sight of the Lord. They brought idol worship into the land of Egypt or the land of Israel. And we see here this morning that the, uh, the, 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 the main king that we're going to be talking about is King Ahab. Ahab was a very wicked king. He had married a very wicked woman named Jezebel. Now, these, this particular marriage was a, basically a union of two nations that had powerful military uh, ability. Ahab had developed a tremendous army in the land of Israel and Jezebel's leadership in Phoenicia had developed a tremendous navy. So with the two of them combined in this marriage, they had the strongest navy and the strongest army basically in the world at that time. So it it was a military uh, marriage, so to speak. And when Jezebel came into Israel, she brought with her uh, uh, idol worship. The The main idol that the Israelites were worshiping at this time was Baal. Now Baal is con- was considered to be the god of prosperity, the god of good crops, and so forth. And we all know how important rain is to good crops. We we have that problem here in northern Cal- in California. We don't have rain for our farmers to raise crops in in the in the central valley. And so we have that kind of the same problem they were having here in Israel. And uh, so we, we but we talk here and we see that. Uh, they had been worshiping idols for over 70 years, and they had, uh, uh, the kings were evil, and each one of them says they did more evil than the one before them. And so it wasn't just a matter of Ahab, it was, it was, it was a progression of evil, evil worship. Now, in, in, in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, the first verse says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord God of Israel lives, that's Jehovah God before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word this is an interesting little message that he gives to Ahab, I don't know how Elijah got uh, 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 to see Ahab Ahab was a powerful king and you don't usually just walk into the office or the Presence of a powerful leader like that, and give this kind of message. Uh, I, I I don't think I could walk into Joe Biden's office and give him this kind of message, or Gavin Newsom, or any of these any of our leaders. But somehow Elijah got voice, got got, got a, 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 a an opportunity to give Ahab this message. And let's look at this message. He said, "As the Lord God of Israel lives." First of all, he, he makes the claim that Jehovah is the God of Israel, not Baal, as the Lord God of Israel lives. He indicates here that Baal is a dead God, but Jehovah is alive. And so he, he identifies himself before, this, because before whom I stand, he, he identifies himself with God. I stand before God. I don't stand before Baal. I don't stand before you. I stand before God. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now that's a that's a challenge to Baal because first of all, the Lord God lives and Baal's dead. Secondly, Elijah doesn't isn't serving Baal, he's serving God. And thirdly, Baal being the god of prosperity and good crops, it's not going to happen without any endure rain. So he's challenging Baal. He's not challenging Ahab. He's challenging the God of Baal. Because the Israelites, the Israelites had fallen into this, this trap of following Baal. And so we see that he gives this message to Ahab. And it's a very forthright uh, message. It didn't mince any words. Um, I'm going to have John stand and read 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 2 through 6. Remember, he's just given this message to Ahab. Okay. Now he gives this message to Ahab, and immediately God gives him this command. Elijah, go to east of the Jordan, to the brook Kerith, that's up, up in the mountains. It's rather rugged up there. And he says, that You can drink water from the brook, and I'm going to supply you with food morning and evening. The ravens are going to bring you bread and water. Hmm. Uh, now Elijah. If I'd have been me, I'd have said, now, wait a minute, Lord. That's, That's not a good thing. I'm going to be all by myself up there. I want to be around people. I want anybody to talk to. What am I going to do up there? I don't know how long I'm going to be up there. I might be up there a month, two months, six months, a year. I don't know. No, Elijah didn't do that. He got up and did exactly what God told him. He goes, leaves the presence of Ahab, goes up east of the Jordan to the, by the brook Kibrath and he stays there and you know what he's sitting there and it's getting toward dinner time and all of a sudden his raven comes and brings him bread and, 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 and meat now ravens are carnivorous that means they're meat eating birds now that's a miracle in itself now I don't know whether God prepared one raven to do this every time or if God just had a group of ravens and they just did it. It doesn't matter, but God supplied his needs up there. Every morning, every evening, the ravens came, dropped at his, beside him bread and meat, and Elijah was sustained, and he drank water from the brook. That's an interesting miracle in itself, that God would, would choose to supply this man, with in that manner, Elijah didn't have to go out and, and hunt game. He didn't have to prepare anything. He just waited for the ravens to come in the morning and the evening, and they did. Every morning, every evening. Now, uh, this uh, this command, as a human being, and as as we think about it, is really kind of uh, kind of scary because he's going to be up there all by himself there's not going to be anybody around him to protect him and Elijah's up there for six months and by the end and in and, 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 and Israel they have a six month rainy season and a six month dry season this announcement was made to Ahab at the beginning of a rainy season but there was no rain Now, by the time this time period was kind of over, Ahab was probably looking for him. Because remember, Elijah said, except by my word, it's not going to be rain or dew. And so uh, Elijah's up there all by himself, doesn't have any army around him, doesn't have any protection, doesn't have a spear, doesn't have any any kind of protection, except God. That's pretty good protection. And he supplies the ravens every morning, every evening to bring the food to Elijah. Now, I want John to read uh, verses uh, 8 through 16 about this situation. Wow. So Elijah's up here in the mountain about six months, and he knows that there hasn't been any rain because the brook has dried up. And 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 the uh, uh, the, the, the the and God says, "Arise and go to Zarephath." Now this is an interesting command because remember he's east of the Jordan and Zarephath is clear over on the coast. So Elijah has to walk from top of that to the mountains all down across the land of Israel to Zarephath, which is by the Mediterranean Sea. Another interesting thing is he, he prepared a widow. Now, and, and she was from, she was a Sidonian widow. Notice that it wasn't a Jewish widow because the Jews had claimed Baal as their God and so God chose somebody else. Rather than a Jewish woman, he chose a a Sidonian widow. Now another interesting thing is there wasn't any social security in those days. There wasn't anybody that supported widows. Widows basically just survived as long as they could and they passed away now Elijah again he doesn't argue with God he says, come on Lord, Ahab's going to be looking for me and I'm going to be walking all the way across there he's going to find me and kill me well Ahab's not going to kill him because he said it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain but Ahab would have probably captured him but he doesn't argue with God he, he picks up and he walks all the way across over to Sidon to, to Sidon and as he comes into town, he sees this widow. And she's coming for water. And he says, give me some water. So she gives him some water. And he says, now bring, bring me a little cake. She says, sir, as the Lord God, as your Lord God lives. She recognized Elijah as a man of God. But she says, I, I, I have a, little, a handful of meal and a little oil in a jar. And I'm going to I'm gathering sticks, and I'm gonna prepare a cake and for, for for my son and I that we can eat it and die. Now Elijah said, Now bring bring me a cake first, and the Lord will supply. So she obeys obeys Elijah. She brings him a little cake and he eats it. And keep in mind he's traveled quite a ways and I'm I'm it doesn't say but I got a feeling that the ravens still fed him as he went across I don't know but he was sustained nevertheless Uh, and and so he he comes to this lady and she says we're just preparing what I've got I'm going to die and you know Elijah (coughs) was in Zarephath (coughs) excuse me about three years and every time the lady went to prepare a meal there was just enough meal just enough oil to prepare for that meal and the entire time that Elijah was with her she had food every single time just enough isn't that the way God provides for us just enough sometimes we we sit back and we say boy I wish I had some more money but all my bills were paid I don't have any debt, but I wish I had more money. God supplies just enough. It's interesting that this last year in our church, we had just enough. God supplied just enough. And I've been in this church since April of '08, and I served as school administrator for three of those years and I've been serving on the board, and uh, every time, every year, at the end of the year, there's just enough. Once in a while, we have a little surplus, but God supplies just enough. And uh, during this time that Elijah is staying with his widow, her son dies, and uh, Elijah takes this little boy and he brings him back to life. I think that was a reward as well as the food was a reward to this widow in Zarephath that was faithfully taking care of God's servant. God takes care of his servants. Young people, if you're in here and God has called you into the ministry, don't say no. I know one of the things that, that I was challenged with when God called me in the ministry was, was money. I was working at a men's clothing store. I had been very successful there. And they promised me a junior executive position at the time I graduated from college. And um, it was very tempting. And uh, I received a call from a church. I got a unanimous call from a church in Eastern Washington to come and be their youth pastor and their music person. And uh, on Saturday morning, my wife always had, at this point in her life, had a haircut, had a hair appointment. So she went to a hair appointment, and I called the church, and they had given me a unanimous call, and I said, I'm not going to come. I had figured I could go to work for this men's clothing store, and I can make enough money, and I can help support the church and and, and, and missionaries. You know, it's all the things that go through your head. And I called the store and talked to the the, the the uh, personnel manager, I knew him quite well. I said, well, I'm ready to come to work. Where do you want me to come? He said, well, I want you to report to the Oakland store. And that was the store I did not want to go to. And uh, I sat down on the couch, my wife comes home. She said, you turned that church down, didn't you? I said, I did. I said, it's a big mistake. I got on the phone I called that church back and I said, is that job still open? Yeah, I'm coming. I called the store manager and I said, I'm not coming to work. See, God got a hold of my heart and, and, and it was, a, it was a, for an instant or two, it was money that was the issue. And, and here, you know, God supplied. God, we've never ever missed a house payment. We've never missed a meal. You can tell that, that I haven't missed a meal. God has supplied wonderfully for my wife and I. Last, uh, I think it was Thursday, we celebrated our 56th anniversary. (laughs) That that applause is for Penny. (laughs) For putting up with this wretch (laughs) all these years. I have a wonderful wife, folks. You all know that. But God supplies folks. Young people, if God has called you into the ministry, don't turn him down. I wouldn't trade the 56 years I've been in the ministry for anything. Even through the tough times and there have been some tough times but God supplies. And Elijah and this widow in Zarephath found out that there was just enough every time for one more meal. And it said uh, uh, Brother John read he supplied that for her until rain came. So even after Elijah leaves here, the rain came, and, and, and she, he was supplied. Now, um, in First in Kings 18, verse 1, and I'll read that to you. No, John, read that to us. I'm sorry. 18, verse 1. Okay, now this is estimated to be about three years after he left the brook Kirith. So for three and a half years. I remember in James it said he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three years and six months. Okay, that time is up now. And Elijah, God tells Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. Now by this time, Ahab is probably frantic. There's been four rainy seasons where they haven't had any rain. And there's no, there are no crops in Israel. There's a famine. And it's, it's, it's a serious time for the children of Israel. And, uh, because they depended upon the rain. And depended upon Baal to supply their, 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 uh, their crops. And uh, so in Ahab, or Elijah meets with Ahab. And there's other things involved here. But he meets with Ahab. And he makes a deal with Ahab. He says, Ahab, I want you to meet on Mount, I want you to bring all Israel to Mount Carmel. I want you to bring the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. And I want you to bring the prophets of Asheroth, which were Jezebel's prophets, to Mount Carmel. And we're going to have a contest. And he says, it doesn't tell you this in scripture, but I know that he's going to need uh, some wood for sacrifice. He's going to need some bulls, two bulls. He's going to need, he's going to need some water, and so forth. And so he tells Ahab exactly what he needs. Now, of course, they're going to get the water from the Mediterranean Sea, which is they can cart that to Mount Carmel and, and water pots and so forth. But you see, he tells Elijah or Ahab what he wants, and he pretty much gets what he wants because Ahab's desperate. He knows that Israel's in desperate straits and they need rain. Now, Jezebel did not allow the prophets of Asherah to go. She said, nope, you're not going. Evidently, she surmised the power of God. But, of course, she didn't know what the context was going to be. Now, they get up on Mount Carmel. He, every, all these things happen. The, the children of Israel that come, the, the, the prophets, Ahab's there. Uh, the, 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 the sacrifices, everything's there. And, and, and Elijah said, here's, here's the deal, folks. We're both going to build an altar. We're going to put the sacrifice on the altar. And we're going to pray to our gods. You're going to pray to your God, Baal. I'm going to pray to Jehovah. And the God that sends fire from heaven will be the God of Israel. Well, that's an interesting challenge. Because the people of Israel had put a lot of confidence in Baal. And obviously the prophets of of, of Baal had too. So Elijah was a gentleman. He says, you guys go first. So they put the wood on their altar and they, they, they cut up their sacrifice and they put it on the altar. And they begin to, to, to chant and call to Baal. And uh, nothing happens. And around noontime, Elijah says, Well, hey, you know what? Uh, Baal might be uh, uh, off somewhere on a journey. He might be, uh, uh, he might be even sick. He might be uh, 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 sleeping. So yell a little louder. So these prophets of Baal began to yell and, and cut themselves, as their custom is, it says. And they began to, to, to chant and do what they had to do to get Baal to send fire from heaven. And nothing happened. And they do this for a number of hours. Trying to get Baal to answer. Now notice something very interesting. I'm not going to have John read this, but at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah knew the right time. To do this, he says, Okay, hold it. My turn. And Elijah, (laughs) bless his heart, (laughs) he builds the altar out of 12 stones. That's a rebuke. Because remember, they had split, and there were only 10 tribes up there. But he puts 12 stones on the altar, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He puts the stones, he puts them in place, he knows how to do that. He places the wood, he, he places the sacrifice on the, on the wood, and then he tells them, pour water on it. Now one of the things that, Baal, that, that Elijah had, had demanded at this contest is that nobody would put any fire underneath the sacrifice. And I got a feeling Elijah was checking around to make sure they didn't have any fire under their sacrifice, because nothing happened. But he wanted people to know there was no fire under his sacrifice. So they pour water on it. He says, pour more water on it, pour more water on it. And while he was, when he was building the altar, he dug a trench, a big trench around this altar. And he said, pour another bunch of water on it until the trench filled up with water. Now it's very interesting, just an aside here, hydrogen and oxygen are both quite flammable by themselves but when you put hydrogen and oxygen together they put fire out isn't that interesting because <laughs> it becomes water <laughs> you know God knows all about that but he, he, he does everything right now the, um, the, 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 the altar set up sacrifices there and he, he, he again, it's, it's interesting. He prepared. Elijah prepared this at the time of the evening sacrifice. He knew the exact time to do this. He didn't just randomly pick a time. He knew it was time for the evening sacrifice, so he sets it up that way. Now, after Elijah prepares his his altar and his sacrifice, here's his prayer: Lord God, Jehovah. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are Jehovah and that you have turned your hearts back to you again. I want you to notice something interesting about this prayer. He said to the prophets of Baal, which you pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God, and the God that sends fire from heaven will be the God of Abraham, God, the God of Israel. He doesn't even ask for fire. He doesn't ask for rain in this prayer. He only asks that God, Jehovah, will be made known to his people. That's all he asks. You know how God answered that prayer? He sends fire from heaven. And the fire consumes the sacrifice, the wood, which is no surprise, the stones. You ever seen fire burn rocks? And it licked up the water out of the trench. You talk about a powerful God. He proved himself to those children of Israel that day. He was Jehovah, and only Jehovah can perform that kind of miracle. The power of prayer. Now, I have to tell you, I have to believe in my heart that all during this time that Elijah is in in Kirith and in Zarephath, that he's praying about this situation. He didn't just pray one time before he approached Ahab. Uh, Ahab could have cut his head off right there if he wanted to. But I think he was so surprised that this guy that came from Tishbite, a Gileadite, basically a farmland in northern Israel, in in front of him, faced him with this this challenge. This is not going to be dune or rain these years, except at my command. And yet he did it. And then I, I know that he bathed that situation in prayer. And of course, this situation, I have to believe that he was a man of prayer. The power of prayer. Folks, I I tell you, we have the same God today. Our Jehovah today is no different, he is no less powerful than the God of Elijah. Now, the people of Israel said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord. He is God they repeated it because in their eyes they saw the power of God when he burned that sacrifice and that wood and those stones and licked up that water and the dust that was around it you, you couldn't help but believe this has got to be God only God could do that and he did I want to challenge you this morning it's amazing what prayer can do Prayer is a powerful thing and and everyone that's a born again Christian has that ability to call upon God with that kind of power and um, one of the things that I want to talk to you about in closing every Sunday night when we have evening service we meet at 6 o'clock and that's for Bible study and prayer we have a pretty small crowd for that time Maybe twenty people, maybe less. I usually between fifteen and twenty. We need, to have, we need to have people that want to pray and come out in the evening service. Is it, is, it, is it a task? Yeah, it's a task. You have to, you know, you've had Sunday dinner and you've been relaxing, and you got to get up and come to church. But that doesn't—it's it's only for a couple hours. But we devote part of that time to prayer. And I think that if we had more people come to pray, we'd have more people come to church because we would be moved. I I, I don't know the exact preacher, it might have been Charles Spurgeon or Henry Ironsides, I don't know, but they had a rather large church and almost every, practically every Sunday morning they had huge crowds and, and many people became saved. And, and one day, one of the, somebody was coming, and they said, boy, Pastor, you, you really preached a powerful message. A lot of people got saved today. Your, your preaching is awesome. He said, listen, folks, my preaching has nothing to do with it. He says, come here. He led them down to a room, a side room. And in that room, there were about 15 or 20 men that were praying during that service for people to be saved. And they had results. People got saved. And the church grew. And, and that was the power of prayer. We have that same opportunity here in Wilton to have the, that kind of power of prayer. I challenge you to pray. Maybe you're not able to get out on Sunday nights, but take time to pray every day for your church. Pray for Pastor Schmidt. He's doing a wonderful job. Pray for the elders. We, we, need your, we need wisdom from God as we lead the church and the school. Pray for the school teachers. They're, they're, they are the, the, the crux of our, of our school. Pray for the administration team. There are people that are dedicated and they don't get paid a whole lot for being on that administrative team, trust me, but they are dedicated to God and to Wilton Christian School and Wilton Bible Church make that school a success and they're, they're doing a good job continue to pray for them they, the a team is, is pastor Peter and his wife April Janet Goble, and Barbara Thor those four people are the administrative team of our school and they depend upon the elders to direct them they come up with some great ideas and they bring it to the board and we we, 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 we need your wisdom when we talk about these things we need staff members we need your we need God's wisdom in hiring staff, that they'll be the right person for the right job. And, and, and God has been gracious to us to give us tremendous staff members and teachers. Pray for us as leaders that we'll do what God wants us to do. And, and let's, let's purpose in our hearts to pray more fervently, because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous, it says man, but a righteous person, avails much, it can go a long ways to help our church grow. Father, we're thankful this morning for your word. We thank you for men like Elijah, who faithfully proclaimed your word, he was not afraid to do what you asked him to do. He didn't argue with you. He didn't make other suggestions. He just simply did what you asked him to do. And when it came time, you marvelously showed your power to your chosen people on Mount Carmel. Lord, thank you for this lesson this morning, for the lesson in prayer. Guide us in our daily lives that we will be men and women of prayer in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.